everyone. Welcome back to Keeping Track. Welcome to our bonus episode this month. Roshan and I were super excited to talk to Emily Sisson after her second place finish in American record at the Bank of America Chicago Marathon only a few weeks ago, 2.18.29, blazing fast. We talk about Emily's buildup, the race itself, how her recovery from COVID played into it, and how she has learned to better handle high-pressure situations as an athlete over the course of her career. And then we take some fun questions from you all from Instagram. So we'll let you listen in. First, a quick bio on Emily. Emily, Emily's been good for a long time. She has competed for the USA as a high school and junior athlete on Pan American and World Junior teams in cross country and on the track. While in the NCAA, she won the indoor and outdoor 5,000 meters, setting the indoor 5K record. And as a professional athlete, she has made the 2017 and 2019 World Championships as well as the 2021 Olympics. Emily recently set the American record in the half marathon, so she is really on a roll. Um, And we can't wait to talk to her from the vantage point of being her current and former training partners as we all were coached by Ray Tracy here in Providence and so we love to compare notes. Thanks for keeping track and as always thanks to thefeed.com for sponsoring four months of content. Head over to thefeed.com backslash keeping track for your $80 of feed credit to spend on great things. Anything you need in the sports nutrition space from Morton gels to Cliff Bar to feed formula vitamin packs. Check it out at thefeed.com. Hey everyone, I'm here with Roisin and Emily Sisson. Um, We have an emergency extra podcast this month because of um, amazing events at the Chicago Marathon with a lights out American record by Emily Sisson, who is our training partner and friend. So we had to get her on keeping track. Thanks for Zooming with us, Emily. I know it's crazy times right now. Oh no, thanks for having me on. It feels like we're just in seven stars right now. I know. I know, because we haven't, neither of us have seen Row in a while either. <laughs> yeah. yeah. True. It's like an online seven stars. Yeah. Here's my coffee. So. <laughs> so, how does it feel to be an American record holder for the marathon? It, it feels pretty amazing. I'm really, really excited about it. It's, I feel like it's been a big goal that we've talked about kind of like here and there for so long, but it's always been this like distant future thing that I'm, might try for someday. Uh, and I don't know, just how it like worked out, how I felt in the race, how this whole buildup's been. Uh, I don't know. I just, I'm so happy to walk away, uh, running under 219 too. That's like a huge, um, like, I don't know, like a huge PR and I'm really yeah. excited. About it. You nearly qualified for the men's Olympic trial, U S Olympic trials, <laughs> 30 more <laughs> seconds. I think, I think actually that might be right. Maybe yeah. you did qualify. I don't know. Um, can you tell us more about the buildup? Like, can you tell people kind of anything different about this one compared to others or just some, some unique parts of it? Yeah. So I did the buildup in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, which we weren't anticipating doing, but I was struggling coming back from COVID that we caught like end of March. And for some reason, every time I came down to sea level, we live up in Flagstaff, Arizona, I start would start to feel a lot better. My symptoms would kind of start to go away a bit. 
So we decided this buildup that my best chance of having a good buildup is to do it at sea level. So uh, my husband packed up the car, he drove across the country and uh, we kind of bounced around between different apartments and Airbnbs in Providence while we were there. But yeah, I think I haven't been home in like four months, but it worked out really well. I didn't have any injuries. I didn't have any illness or setbacks of any kind. And I think that it's kind of rare for a marathon buildup. So Uh, So yeah, really good buildup was in a place that, that we love. Providence is where my husband and I met, um, where we lived for so many years and yeah, just to be around like family and friends and have like a pretty smooth buildup was, was really nice. Yeah. And back with Ray a little bit more as well. Right. So like actually seeing Ray a bit as well, was that, what was like that? Like that was really nice. And then it did help a lot because there are some pieces I feel like that do you kind of are kind of missing when we're not in front of him all the time. And I do think our communication with him is really good when we're in Arizona and he's in Rhode Island, but every once in a while, I feel like something like needs to be seen. And, uh, and I think he was struggling to see how I was struggling coming back from COVID until he saw me running and he was like, Oh yeah, you don't look, you don't look the same. Um, but then even with marathon buildups, I remember the last two marathon buildups I did trying to tell him, Um, like, I think I'm getting fit, like pretty fast off this training, but he's like not there to see it himself. And so when I was in Rhode Island, he could see it and he was like, oh, you're actually getting fit really fast. We need to slow this down or else he'll peak too early. And so that's what we did. (laughs) So we slowed it down a bit. And I think that actually, uh, yeah, he timed the peak perfectly. So I don't know if that would have worked out as well if he hadn't seen that with his own eyes. Yeah. He really like, some adjustments must have been made because I remember when you started your buildup, you did a few races and you like got beat by a few people that maybe had you raced them um, in Chicago, I don't think you would have, like you would have yeah. come out ahead. So it really was like every week you were stacking and stacking, but it was only for what, two months, wasn't it? Your whole buildup instead of three or wasn't it a little bit different? I started end of July, I think the build up, okay. like the last, like one of the, the last few days of July. So whatever that is, but I remember the last two build ups saying to my husband, I'm like, I think I'm really fit after six, six, not even eight weeks, like six, six to eight weeks. It's like you get those few key sessions in and it like makes so much of a jump. Yeah. So fast. Yeah. yeah. That seems to be consistent. I suppose if it's a smaller one, I'm not, again, obviously not a training and I'm not a coach and expert in marathon training, but I wonder with marathon training, if it goes too long, can people actually overcook themselves with all that mileage and everything? Do you feel like you're in that kind of window of like, I'm on the rise and I don't get to overcook then? Yeah, no, exactly. I actually am pretty confident. I, I remember thinking in London before my first marathon that it actually went too long, the buildup. And I remember saying the husband, my husband after the race, I'm like, if that race was a week or two later, I think it wouldn't have gone as well because I felt like I was kind of um, like, I kind of reached my peak and I was just trying to hold on for like the last month. Yeah. And- I- Yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Molly? I was just going to say, I think some of the recommendations for like the 12 plus week buildup is for someone starting from zero or someone who doesn't run very much. So I I think like maybe, um, you know, the the fitter you are, the more you have to be careful of that. And maybe you don't need as much runway going into it. Yeah. That's actually really good. Yeah. What's the highest kind of mileage you'd get to in those, in the buildup as well? I did between 110 and 115. So not quite as high as my last two buildups. I think I'd get up to like 118 every once in a while. Uh, But I thought like that was a good sweet spot because I was able to run pretty fast times in all my workouts still. Like I didn't slow down that much in any of them uh, compared to how I'd be training for like a half marathon. Wondering during that, like 
point where you start to feel fit and Ray see it and, you know, you guys could see it. Did you start, did Ray turn around and say, okay, I'm seeing like a 218 here. Like when did the talk of 218 start? Like, was there any kind of indicator in sessions or, you know, was it just this kind of sense of like, we can see things clicking and think actually we put it all together. Just wondering, yeah, where that time came out of, was there indicators there? We um, actually didn't talk about time at all until the last, very last workout I did. I remember walking back to the car with Ray and he said to me that he'd be shocked if I didn't run under 220. And uh, he thought the American record was a realistic goal. But I would just remember him saying, like, I'd be shocked if you don't break 220. But the whole buildup, we never talked about time. It wasn't we didn't enter the buildup saying, OK, this is um, I built to Chicago where I try to break the American record. That wasn't um, our approach. And I think part of it was because I was feeling so crappy coming off. Mm. COVID. I was like, I just want to see how fit I can get in three months. Yeah, yeah. Prevented <laughs> any of that getting ahead of yourself. Yeah. And so that's kind of what we did. We're just like, let's see how fit. I can get. And then, um, it, he didn't even bring up the number 218 until like 10 minutes before the race, I was walking <laughs> the start line and he's like, I'll see you in two hours and 18 minutes. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, sure. See that when Ray says that it like me, I don't know if you think this, but when he's, he's assembled all the information and looked at it with his like track brain. And so like, yeah. it really means he, he's not just giving you confidence. He's like, no, I am the computer. I think you can run 218. <laughs> like I am a calculator. <laughs> <laughs> no hyperbole with Ray. No. So like to hear that must have been exciting because he doesn't just say that stuff. No, he's not yeah. trying to get your confidence boosted. Are you like all amped up to race? He's like, this is oh. the fitness you're at. Like, or this is the fitness you're in. This is what you're going to go do. Like FYI, <laughs> this is what it is. How did that feel for you, Emily? How did that feel for you when he said that? Like I what was your like nervous system <laughs> like, I do trust him like Molly said I think I was a bit more hesitant going into this marathon because um I like I get confidence from experience and I lack that in the marathon and so even though he was like oh you're in uh like 219 something shape uh I was like yeah I, like I I believe he's right on that but I'm like but is like my fueling down well did I like I don't know did I prepare for all these things like that could happen in a marathon I don't even know I just was like a fueling was a big question mark for me that was probably the biggest one because I haven't had to take in um fluids in a race in a long time and so I was just like well that's it well um yeah I don't know you just don't I don't know I think there's a bit more mystery still with the marathon for me so yeah like you've um, only done three build-ups like I think yeah. people don't realize like you had to learn a lot each one like what yeah. did you learn from the last like did you, did you feel like anything you learned from the last two came to good use in this one or can you think of anything i think um the uh, the marathon trials build up i think taught me how much um i still didn't know about the marathon or still had yet to learn uh and i do remember feeling we like i kind of overcooked myself a bit for that uh for that one so instead of just paying attention to, well, how like are my splits and workouts? Uh, what times am I running? I learned, okay, well, like I need to focus on how am I feeling when I'm running? Like, am I, um, like, how's my form? Is it breaking down in the Atlanta buildup? I remember seeing pictures of myself running and I was like, oh, I don't look very good. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I think you guys did so well, like looking from the outside, not that I saw like really any of your workouts, but it just feels like you didn't force anything. Like you felt every, like even in the race itself, like I heard some of your other interviews where you said you weren't looking at the watch and it's not just people. She wasn't like 
her mind wasn't like in the clouds, but like, I felt like you were focusing on, okay, I can't force it, even if it isn't the split I want. So like, I have to just feel Mm -hmm. my way through it, which is a good way to race. It's a good, um, good eyes off, right, Roshi, (laughs) to not force anything. Yeah, well, you listen to like more internal cues, right? Of like how this effort feels, how's your breathing, how's your body doing, yeah. rather than external, like what's the time, what's the time, what's the time, you know, which yeah, yeah. is all this information is sitting right there. It's hard to like not see it. So for, you know, people I think have gone so far with that, the external kind of validate, or validation, but indicators that they've lost touch with how they actually feel. And yeah you know, for you, I know the kind of like events that happened, which there was something about your watch not working or whatever. And intentionally you weren't obsessing over it anyways, but it just helped you then kind of focus in where it did it. Exactly. Yeah. You guys were did it better. A lot of people I feel like have been uh, not giving, giving me a hard time, but really questioning that they're like, Oh, did she actually not look at her watch? (laughs) But no, I think it did help Ray telling me not to look at my watch because like you said, it did force me to kind of just think about, well, how am I feeling? Like, and it saved like mental energy too, just not having to think about it. And I also, I also think because I entered it a little bit more hesitant, uh, I didn't have to worry about if I ran like a 515 mile, like seeing that on my watch and being like, oh, wait, is that too fast? Like, oh no, how am I going to feel in a mile from now? Like those kind of thoughts. Like, Yeah, uh, that's what I mean about the eyes off, like your optimal zone of like, arousal because you guys went in fit and ready but you weren't like gripping the record with like a death grip you were just like you know what whatever I run I'm gonna run to what I feel no matter what so yeah and that was kind of the mentality it was like well I just want to get whatever the most out of myself is that day whatever that is if that and I really would have been happy if I ran like 219 like 40 or something like I really did like I wanted to break 220 um And yeah, that yeah. was like my approach. And then to run 218.29 when I finished, I was like, wait, what? Like, that's just, yeah, that's so cool. And your last 5K to be the fastest one. Like, are, do you feel like there's more there? Or do you, were you laying it out on that last 5K? I, I mean, I felt pretty good almost the entire race. I remember I went through one rough patch between, it was somewhere around like miles 17 and 19. Uh, but then I came out of it. And I remember asking Johnny if he could pick up the pace with, like a little over 5k to go. And then when we got to, to 2k to go, like a few people were yelling at me to pick it up. And so I was like, Oh no, I'm close to something. I have to pick it up. And then when I get to like 200 meters to go, I hear someone say 219. And I thought that meant like the clock had just hit 219. And I was like, Oh no, I need to run really fast. <laughs> Not that I can run. Oh, wow. than, yeah. Uh, you were hauling. So they only showed your last like K, which was annoying on TV, but you were like hauling through the line. I feel like you if you can run that good of a negative split, you could maybe go a little faster. Not to, but like, enjoy what you did. I don't yeah. want to be like, no. so then, what's next? No, we, yeah. we thought the same thing. There's also like a tiny hill in that last 5K. It's not big, but it probably costs you a few seconds. So to like be able to get to the top of that and pick it up, we thought was a good sign. You could, if things, if all the stars align again, uh, yeah. to run faster. Um, but you so speaking of coverage, it was obviously terrible for the rest of the race. <laughs> what they also didn't show like a good angle of you after the finish line. And I wanted to see how like Ray and Shane and whoever was at the finish line reacted. So can you just tell us since they didn't show us, at least I didn't see it if they did show, <laughs> show I it. Share, I can share actually on Instagram of Shane okay, with a picture of like his reaction. It's so cute. His face is just like, I, I don't know. He's like gripping oh. his face. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my but, God. <laughs> he 
look so excited. And then all the pictures I have like of me and, and Shane, I look like I'm in pain and he looks great. <laughs> well, he didn't just run to 18, so yeah. to be expected. But no, it was really cool. See, like, I mean, everyone was just really excited. Uh, yeah, I think I turned, I saw Shane and Ray and Ray right away. And I think I just was like looking around and like, what did I run? Like, what time is that? What place am I? Um, but what no, was it I, like to hear the result then? Was that like another whammy of like, you know, they're all happy. So you're like, great, cool. I made yeah. it. Like, what was it like to actually get that feedback of actually the time you ran? It was, it was really cool. Shane just went up to me and he's like, that was amazing. And then Ray was like, you ran 218, 29, you were second. And I just was like, to him, I was like, whoa, like, thank you. Like, I was in like, thank you for helping oh. me do that. Um, oh. but so did, did you get a high five? <laughs> I think. I think I got a hug. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, oh, hug level. I think yeah. I've only had one hug level performance ever. <laughs> I think I'm trying to remember. Maybe it was just a high five. I feel like I hugged a lot of people. Um, just to know. give people context of Ray, like Ray Tracy was talking about Emily and Molly's coach and my old coach, and he's not, he doesn't like, he's not overly, you know, oh, you're amazing. He doesn't give, he gives credit where credit's due, but he's kind of like tight-lipped with yeah. the praise and the affection and stuff. So to get a hug is like... To be honest, none of us are really, hug- none of us are really huggers. So it takes a big moment for a small half hug to occur between any of us, but... That was that was definitely worthy. <laughs> uh, and if we're ready to be so confident in you, Emily, does that give you belief? Like, you know, sometimes people say, oh, you have to believe in yourself. But sometimes it takes other people believing in people before they can believe in themselves. Like, Ray's yeah. always believed in your potential in the marathon. Has that just, have you, like what's the word I can't even use my own psychology words but have you internalized that belief do you think at this point obviously you have in some ways but like has that been easy for you to kind of really get on board with his belief in you I think so yeah I mean I he's like Molly said he's always just spot on with where your fitness is at so I I think as I've I've gotten older I've gotten really good at knowing where my fitness is at myself so I don't always need the like oh you're in like and I don't know like 67 minute shape or 66, 30 shape for a half or like whatever, like 31 minute shape for a 10 K. Like, Cause I can kind of figure it out on my own now with, um, with just like all the experience, but for the marathon, it kind of, uh, felt like it was like the earlier years again, where I'm like, I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> like I need, I need Ray to, uh, do all that thinking for me <laughs> and decide what pace and all of that. Is, that. is that good to have that kind of like, there's like, there's kind of talk of expectation but you don't actually have those expectations because you don't have like that much experience to have those expectations you know what I mean that new mind like the beginner mind you're kind of like let's see and that's yeah. always like a fresh thing it's like let's see okay, you know, around that way I remember uh, the first yeah. marathon I did having that like perspective people before um London Marathon kept asking me they're like so what are you expecting like what do you like what do you really want to run and I'm like I remember I kept saying to people, I'm like, I'm just very curious. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm just yeah. curious where the, this marathon's going to be like. And I think that mm-hmm. mindset is like, it's more fun. It's more enjoyable. It's less like tense and stressful. Um, and maybe it does help you get more out of yourself. I don't know. Yeah, but, that's definitely, I think that's definitely a fun mindset to have about the marathon. Um, yeah. Cause you're just like, where's my limit today? Like yeah. at the end of the day, I'll have an answer and that's all I want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is a, a bit more enjoyable. So yeah, yeah. And just see that is like when that 26 miles there's so many things going on the variables <laughs> of every all the things it's like 
you don't know what's going to happen. Like, they're, they're, everyone should be a little bit more like, uh, let's see what's happening here, right? Yeah, There's no yeah. guarantee, really, it seems yeah. like. No, I, I definitely... Not marathon run around. Do you find that approachable? Emily, so here, you've been after the race now. It's been a couple of days. Has there been anything, like, interesting or strange or funny since... Um, since the race of like, has anyone recognized you or has anyone sent you a message that made you like, like anyone surprising? Like what's the, what's the reaction been so far? I had a few. Um, Any gifts, any gifts show up from fame, from Oprah or anything? No, not yet. Not not hoping for that. (laughs) I think Shane thought someone recognized him the other day when he was running, he got like a double take, but I've gotten a Shane got recognized from his, <laughs> from his one second on TV. We were running in, he was running in a park and this guy didn't recognize him. Um, but no, actually, I don't I don't think my pacer, Brian Harvey, will mind sharing this story. I thought this was really cute. He texted me after the race. Um, his wife and daughter, Brian Harvey was one of my pacers. Um, they came to the race and uh, to uh, like support him um, pacing me. And uh, when he got home, his daughter was uh, playing with like her dolls, I guess, and was uh, and she was one of the dolls was like trying to run an American record. And I thought the dolls were being paced around. The yeah, yeah. That's so and cute. Another woman messaged me something similar. Her like three-year-old daughter, I guess, not maybe not three. She has a couple of daughters, and one of the daughters just loves watching um my 10K like US Olympic trials race. And I was like, I am so flattered. That's why <laughs> um, this needs to be on TV and we need to have good coverage yeah. of the women's events, yeah. everyone. <laughs> Better than we do. Uh yeah. so stuff like that, I feel like that's just kind of cool to read. I like those stories. And Emily, just for people who might be curious, including myself, about the pacers and stuff, how much work did you do with the pacers? Are these just people that you, you know, met on, like, or organized to meet on the race day? Or had you trained with them and stuff? Or Brian work? and I did one long run together because he lives in Boston or outside Boston and we uh, were in Providence. So he came down for one long run, which was really nice. And then Johnny, I'd never met before. Um, Johnny Muller, he's from the UK and um, I didn't, I never met him, but I knew of him because he's teammates with a friend of mine and runs for um, uh, New Balance uh, Manchester, I believe. Uh, so just the New Balance connection and um, the, knowing him through my friend, I like knew of him and I knew he was really capable. He's a 210 runner. So uh, I was like, oh, this looks like a tempo for you. <laughs> but we met the day before the race and just kind of had a little meeting. And the like, the, I remember we sat down and him and Shane, uh, my husband, were like, just so you know, the biggest priority tomorrow is you need to be done before, um, I think it was the Liverpool game and the Arsenal game were on. <laughs> They're like, and the, the games are at like noon. And I'm like, well, if I'm not done by then, that's not a good day. <laughs> yeah. You're like, we have problems. <laughs> we have <bigger> problems. <laughs> Like better get better. Oh gosh, okay. And then he's just work. Yeah, we talked about the race for a little bit, but then the second half of the meeting was all soccer. <laughs> it's not like him and Shane and uh, Johnny, Shane and Ray just talking about the Premier League. <laughs> Gotta keep it light. Keep it light. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, did you do much talking to the Pacers during the race? Like, did they keep you updated, or was it kind of just working away? It was just working away. Um, I talked to Johnny. It was just me and Johnny. I forget how long. Um, I, I think sometime after 20 miles, it was just me and Johnny from there on out. And uh, which and Brian did a great job as well. Uh, but I remember talking to Johnny at one point. I think 
I'm trying to remember that was when I was going through my rough patch. Cause I remember it was slowing down a bit and he could tell I was struggling a little bit. And, uh, I want to say like, whenever that patch ended, he like turned to me and he was like, Oh, how are you feeling? Like, is, is this pace? Okay. And I just said to him, like, I was going through a rough patch, but I'm coming out of it. Like, let's keep going. And then I think with like 5k to go, um, I was like, okay, I think I can run faster. So I said to Johnny, I'm like, I can go a little bit faster. <laughs> and I was like, if, if you don't mind <laughs> picking it up, uh, which he did. And then we were able to like close a bit faster over the last 5k. So that was good. Were they, were they checking watches and like seeing, you know, yeah. were they setting a pace for you that like they discussed and like, were like keeping track of something. And then you were able to just kind of like zone out and our zoning mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, was that how it worked? They just, they were executing and you were just able to kind of like took and go as Ray sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Like you were able to just kind of, yeah. So when you're not, when you say, you know, you're not looking at the watch and stuff and you're kind of going internal focus, like where do you, where where does your mind go? Cause I mean, 26.2 miles, right. People think about stuff, right. I'm wondering for you, is there anything that you kind of like to focus on? Um, is there anywhere, you know, yeah, like, is there anything you kind of, and then when you enter your rough patch, what do you say to yourself? What's that internal dialogue like, you know, throughout? Because a lot of people are curious about that. Like, what, how do people get through a rough patch? What's that like? Yeah, good questions. Um, we did look at their watches. I remember every like mile, like every mile marker we ran by, they both looked down like simultaneously and uh, check whatever the split was. And uh, what was the second half of that question? It was, how do I, what do I think about Um, I I kind of like, I I did just kind of turn my mind off to pace. I looked at the clock at halfway and I knew we were on like around 219 pace at that point, maybe a little under. Uh, And I just remember I saw that and thinking, oh, I feel good. That's great. (laughs) And, um, and throughout the race, I kind of was just focusing on um, like, I did feel good for most of it. So I was like, oh, this feels good. And like, um, like, I feel good. I feel strong. I feel like my breathing's coming pretty, um, like, like pretty easy right now. Um, and then I just try to pay attention to like looking out for like potholes every now and then, or, um, maybe making sure I was tucking behind them when it was windy or running the tangents well, which they did the, they like kind of took care of that one. But I, when I went through my rough patch, I remember thinking to myself, well, rough patches happen in the marathon. Let's just see if you can ride this one out. And so I kind of just like stared at Johnny's back and I was like, okay, just like act like you're in a workout and like Shane's leading you. And you're just like focusing on his back and trying not uh, to fall off. And, uh, and then, yeah, just kind of like, I felt better than after like a couple miles. Um, was and- it like a, sorry to interrupt, but can you describe like when you say rough patch, was it like a cramp or you just started to feel the fatigue in your legs or like, what was it that you were feeling? It's the first time I'm like, oh, I'm feeling kind of fatigued and this pace feels like it might be a little too fast. Like I won't be able to sustain it if I keep feeling this way. Um, but then I kind of came out of it. Um, yeah. So it was more just like feeling like pretty fatigued at that point. I was like, oh, this feels actually a little too quick, but, um, but then it kind of just went away. That's great. <laughs> that happened. Marathons are weird like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It got hard again towards the end when Johnny yeah. picked it up. I was like, okay, I can't go any faster than this. I don't think, but um but yeah that was that, like cool. average pace is like what like five I don't get it wrong what's your average what's the total average pace for the whole race there for you that'd be 517 right because it was so, something like that yeah so that's 517 pace or like for any European listeners like kind of under three under 320k is like 318 and your last k I saw was 312 is that right was it? I didn't I even thought see I saw that. 
I don't know if that's accurate, but your last 400 looked like a 70. Like you looked like you were flying across the I line. Like I, was, I heard that day 219. I'm like, oh, I need to get that record. <laughs> Only time I had any awareness of what like the time was, but I don't know why they said 219 because it wasn't 219 yet. Um, but what yeah. Did, was, uh, sorry oh. to interrupt. I, what was your thought or did you even notice um, when Ruth Chepnigedich took off at the beginning of the race? Because I don't know, you probably weren't aware. I don't know if you looked at her splits after, but she was running like... 210 pace for the first 10k did you were you just like okay i'm in my own zone like have a good race or were you like able to see her like what was the thought of like what was that part like because you finished second but it was like a crazy race on her end as well yeah she raced chicago like that last year too and i was there and i remember seeing that and watching that and i remember she went out so fast last year in like really humid like it wasn't a nice day for the toronto marathon and she went out like really fast. And then she did like have another like really big positive split, but she still won. And so I know what she's like. I know even when she goes out really fast, like she doesn't like, she doesn't die. <laughs> like you yeah. would someone else that goes out that fast to you. Cause I didn't uh-huh. remember last year. And I was like, maybe Emily will catch Ruth because she went out so, yeah. so hard, but you're, she did again, pull off the win, even though she slowed down a bit. Um, yeah, she, I mean, that's kind of her racing style. I think she had to pull out of worlds. So I feel like she either runs really well or like sometimes occasionally something will happen um, where she like DNS, but she's just such a strong runner. And I did think though, because she went out so fast and everyone it looked like all the other women went with her. I was like, well, hopefully a bunch of them come back. And then they did, they came mm-hmm. back faster than I thought. Like we caught them. I don't remember where it was, but it was earlier than I expected to. Mm-hmm. Mm, right. Yeah. I mean, that's some, that's kind of kamikaze style running, just yeah. like, just go to down. It's like, you know, that's a good way to, you know, blow up your own race for a lot of people, wouldn't it? Yeah. Be? yeah so it would like be. stick into your own process and your own plan of action. Like, does that take courage to kind of restrain and not go with the pack? Or were you just kind of like on a mission and you were like, I don't care what they do? Yeah, more just on a mission. I'm also just very realistic that I can't go out at um, 65 minute half pace. <laughs> that yeah, would not yeah. be in my um, best interest. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. Logical, logical. <laughs> sometimes you see that in races, like people will think, oh, well, why don't people just take that risk? But, you know, yeah. sometimes it takes that courage to restrain and go, no, actually, like that's not smart for me. And I, yeah. you know, and having that awareness of like, this is what I need to do and get not get caught up with the hype and excitement of the first half, right? right I'm sure yeah. people do this, but like you see younger people getting into that trap as well. Oh, I just need to kind of get involved with the race, but like to their own detriment. So like, I think your experience right. and your preparation and your plan, you know, takes so much courage to kind of stick with that, even though everyone, everyone around you is going after the world record or whatever. Thanks. Yeah. I, I think it is, we, like, I knew we were going to try to run whatever, like my fastest race would be that day. So I was kind of just confident, well, I'm going to run whatever I'm capable of running. And then hopefully I catch people along the way uh, that went out too fast. So, um, but yeah, it is hard. I think, especially when you're younger, learning that um, restraint. Yeah. Um, so Emily, I hate to ask what's next. Cause this is, <laughs> you just want to recover and have a good time, but, um, what is, would you consider running the world championships? Have you guys thought about that? Like, what are you thinking for the next races yeah. and marathons? I, it's funny. I'm thinking about it every now and then. I'm like, what do I really want to try to do next? And, uh, I, I definitely want to try to lower my half PR. That's, 
uh, that's, I feel like I still haven't had it all come together for a half marathon. So I would like to do that. Um, if things work out, but then I'm like, which marathon do I want to do next? I would love to do something like a New York city, but that's, uh, that's in a month. So, um, so I won't be doing that one. Do the world championships in the summer interest you, or is that something you kind of need to sit down and just plan? You haven't thought of it yet. Yeah. I keep thinking about it. I saw world championships. I got an email about the selection um, process and I, it's funny, like if we're coming up on an Olympic um, year again soon, like we kind of almost have to work backwards from the Olympic trials. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of throwing me off a bit because I would love to do like a spring marathon or maybe a summer one, like the world champs and then do something in the fall. Uh, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's in my best interest before the marathon trials or not. So I need to talk to Ray, but part of me is thinking because I just tried to run a fast or a fast marathon, I'd love to do something different. Um, I think that'd be interesting to try to mix it up in like a different uh, type of race, but most of the spring marathons are like flat and fast, which, which I like racing those too. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know yet. I know I want to do a faster half marathon. I don't know what marathon I want to do yet. So I want to talk to Ray a bit and see yeah. Uh, get you back when we get you back to Rhode Island for the next build up. <laughs> it works so well. We'd have to convince Shane to drive across the country again. <laughs> or figure out a, uh, a way to fly with dogs. So one or the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, very good. So Emily, we got a few questions. Ro, I did post, ask Emily a question on Instagram. And in like 15 minutes, we did get quite a few questions. If you want to want me to ask some of those in our last few minutes here, or did you have anything else you wanted to dive into? Uh, Emily? Oh, me. Oh yeah. No, I'm good. You can ask Either questions. of you? Either of you want to? Should I? Oh, okay. I'm sure I think it's enough to okay. interrupt you. With. Okay. <laughs> right. Let's dive in. Okay. Um... there's so many someone asked old-fashioned raised or cake donut (laughs) oh uh i'd probably do old-fashioned yeah old-fashioned okay molly what what would you do because you're so you're a donut um this isn't about me roisin oh sorry no i'm gonna say i'll say i'm joking i'm joking okay um (laughs) i would say cake um what do you miss about pc providence college the people. I miss my teammates. Whenever I'm with them, I'm like, oh, 10 years hasn't passed. <laughs> okay. This is kind of going to be rapid fire. Um, yeah. Love your confidence and attitude. How did you find that again after injury or setback? Uh, I think just being in the sport so long, it kind of like desensitizes you to injuries and setbacks. You just kind of understand that's part of the sport. And so when you bounce back from one, you're just like, all right, on to the next thing. And you just realize it's just part of it. And, um, and yeah, that's kind of my attitude. Yes, like talent doesn't go away. Still in there. Yeah, yeah. And yet, and like, I just throw you down on that because just if, if anyone is going through a hard patch, like, is there anything that you remind yourself of? Like, you know, you're saying, yeah, it, it, it goes. But like when you're in the thick of it, it's sometimes hard to remember that. I'm wondering, is there anything specific that you kind of try to do or like anything on that that could be helpful for somebody who's maybe gone through the first time where they've had a, a rough patch? um mentally or like physically with like treatment or yeah, maybe both like yeah do you just focus on the treatment and and kind of mentally mm-hmm. what you do to kind of you know yeah. it can be hard for people it can be the biggest stressor for athletes when mm-hmm. you know there's research on it it can really affect athletes mental health when they have an injury so you know just wondering if you can speak to that part of it at all yeah no I think um I just try to focus on what's in my control and then whatever's in my control I 
that's what I like put my effort into. And then I just remind myself the only two things you can control your effort and your attitude. And, um, and I also remind myself, I've come back from much worse. <laughs> so I've come back from like big injuries, uh, big disappointments I've done in the past. I can do it again now. And I think what's helped is I've gotten older uh, when I was younger. I feel like a lot of my identity was tied to how I did and how I performed. And now that I'm, I'm older, it's, it's not really, um, like I love running and I want to achieve, um, I want to go after so many goals, but, um, I don't know. I feel like I, at the end of the day, I'm like, I feel like I chose this sport, but I could have chosen to pursue something else. And, um, my identity is not tied to it. Yeah. That's so important. Well done. That's yes. Very important for people to hear. And I feel like, like someone who trained alongside you when you were still young coming up, like you definitely noticed that. Like I remember, I didn't, your first us team that you made in sacramento like i remember you were so nervous you were a little banged up before it and it was just it seemed like a like a negative stress that was like buzzing and now i feel like you've been able to manage those kind of situations way better now of course you're you know six seven years older but like that growth happened like for anyone else who feels like that like it'll you go through it and then you get used to it you figure out how to manage it and then you can conquer it I actually talking to Roe helped a lot with that too. Um, I remember we talked about, oh, wait, what was it? It was like the opportunity mindset versus the threat mindset or something. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. The challenge mindset versus oh, yeah, yeah, the challenge versus yeah. threat mindset. And I think, um, and we actually also touched on it with like, um, like going into a marathon with that, like kind of curiosity versus that like feeling of, I hope I just don't fail. Like it's two different approaches and I think you can have success with both, but, um, it's, I know it's just a much better experience uh, and you're probably a better person. I'm a better person to be around when I'm less motivated by um, fear of failure, threat of like what could go wrong. Um, and I'm more motivated by, well, what could happen? Like what, like, what could I do today? Yeah, that's and, awesome. Yeah, and you worked on that with Roe and you learned that. Like it wasn't just like, oh, I walked into the sport with this mindset. So like no, no, good to yeah. Know. <laughs> but also there's a physiological difference. Like you look more relaxed. You can see that, you know, you're probably breathing easier when you're training. And like it has a physiological response when we're in that fear mindset versus that challenge mindset. So mm-hmm. it does affect the yeah, like your your the cortisol and all the your, oxygen and your VO2 max so it's like yeah it's it's good for that training as well so but that's awesome to be able to actually live it though as well and not just be like oh you know it's just oh I just won't feel threatened by this even though it's a big thing in your career you know what I mean it's easy to say it's not always easy to execute but you've obviously have executed it so that's awesome yes thank you thanks for that love for that yes Roisin well done (laughs) Um, I still think of many things that we talked about like I feel like we only worked together for like I don't even know a few months but there were so many things that stuck that I still think about but I won't give away all Rose secrets you have to you have to you have to hire Ro Um, you're like I'm busy (laughs) it's not about me Molly we can do a few more questions. I know, Ro, you have to head out soon. But um, so someone asked, this is interesting, decision to train at sea level instead of altitude. You kind of brushed on it. But like, did you I have did. any did I want to ask too, because did you have any worries about that? Because I used to get a little obsessed with the altitude and was like, I need to be there. I need to be there. But like, you can't force it if you're not working out well there. So I think I was coming from a place of feeling like I was so I, not that I was overtrained. It was COVID, but it felt like I had been overtrained that I was like, no, I need whatever's going to help my body recover right now. So I was really committed to it. I wasn't 
um, worried about not being up at altitude. I was more worried my body wouldn't recover in time to handle the training load that comes with marathon training. So it was an easy decision for me, but tough on Shane to drive across the country for that. <laughs> and someone asked too, how mentally did you deal with the long-term effects of COVID? Um, yeah, it's interesting. I was more just like, like, oh, this, it is what it is. Like I was kind of bummed, but I'm like, it'll eventually go away. Um, and I'm still able to run. I'm still able to work out. I just don't feel quite, um, myself. And I know people have it far worse than I had it. So it's, um, I feel like it's a little difficult to speak on, but I, I think I just saw it as something that will eventually pass and I'm going to do everything I can to help my body recover and, uh, and just hope for the best. Yes. Do you feel a hundred percent better now or what, is it still a little bit touch no, and go with, I feel a hundred percent better. I had like three lingering symptoms and they all went away at the same time, which like was a month down from altitude. So, uh, I felt like when they all went away is when I felt like really good and my training kind of just, uh, went a lot better. Okay. Like we got. I have a quick from... question for you, yes. Emily. While I'm doing the next thing, um, I know you're an avid reader, and I'm just wondering, uh, you know, as part of your training, your buildup, are you still like reading like every book in the world? <laughs> you know? I was reading a lot of the beginning of the buildup, and then towards the end of the buildup, Shane got me Legos, and that's what I was doing. <laughs> like, what the was the Lego Shane got that. you? Yeah, yeah. What she, was it? Oh, um, so he was going to get the friends set, but it was like so expensive. So he got me, um, they have like the friends apartment, they have the friends cafe, uh, but he got me, uh, uh, he got me, um, what was it? Harry Potter, like Diagon Alley instead. So I was oh, cool. talking to my therapist about Legos the other day and she's like, yeah, my like four-year-old son's playing with them. And I'm like, oh, is like, which set? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, when I saw something about your Legos, I'm like, what Lego was it? Because <laughs> everyone, wants, not everyone, but all of my kids would want to know. And I want to know. <laughs> everyone <laughs> loves Lego. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It kind of takes your mind. It's hands-on to you. And Shane's like, you need something hands-on. I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so I'm a mental health therapist. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Hi, Rory. Hey, Rory. Hi. <laughs> Who said, okay, who said this? I don't know if this is an inside joke or not. Um, the diamond of the season, no question. Can you tell who this is? This I don't know who that is, but that's Bridgerton, right? Is it? I don't know. I think so. That was yeah. Annika. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> that was well, Emily's sister. <laughs> She's, um, that's, funny. that's so funny. Is that Rory? laughing yeah he's laughing how is your family enjoying you getting the record oh it it was really cool being in Chicago doing it because my mom's from Chicago so uh, I actually got to meet up with all my like cousins aunts and uncles my like grandfather came out like we got to do dinner after and so that was kind of cool just being here being around them um yeah I don't know we're like pretty close with uh, her side of the family so it was nice nice getting to do it here it's nice to be able to share it with them to have people yeah. to share it. yeah like sometimes you know you find yourself having success or failure in a place where you're not with people that you love and care about so right. to have people there to actually celebrate as well that must have been a nice thing it, it was really nice and it was also just nice even like if I had a race seeing them all in one place because that's probably the hardest part of the sport for me is like all the family gatherings I miss like weddings um 
uh, like my grandfather turned 85 and they had a birthday party for him a couple months ago and I couldn't go to that because I was training. So, um, so yeah, just stuff like that. It was, it was just nice seeing everyone uh, for the first time, probably uh, like a year or two. So it, that was special. That's amazing, Emily. That's amazing. And we are able to actually really like, you know, be present for that part of it too. You know, the way it's like yeah. so much of the striving and going towards the goal and actually achieving it then what we're able to actually be really into it and be there for it. Cause it's, yeah. you know, we get so caught up in the doing and the like striving, you know, sometimes people are like, I don't even know how to have fun. <laughs> you know? No, I, I definitely felt like I enjoyed it. I had like a, a bunch of commitments pop up after the race but um, my agent, Ray Flynn, was actually really good about being like, okay, she needs to be out of here by this time. Um, uh, she had the dinner with her family. And so we kind of went from one thing to the next. And then uh, when it was time to meet up with them, he's like, no, like we're getting you out of here. So that was nice. Here at Keeping Track, we like to ask if there's anything else about you that you, doesn't get shared enough or anything that you just wanted to shout out, um, anything mm -hmm. that you're working on that you want to talk about, just you can drop it here. Oh shoot. I'm always bad at this one when they're like, they leave it open to you. And I'm like, I have nothing interesting to share. Um, Cause you're pointy. <laughs> I'm pointy. Yeah. <laughs> I can show you my Lego. <laughs> stab, your, stab your dreams, yeah. Emily. Stab <laughs> with your point. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't have anything interesting to share, but um, no, just really uh, thankful for like the team I'm surrounded with. Uh, I feel like I wouldn't have had that day without the help of a lot of people. So uh, surrounded by surrounded by the best so that's good yes I feel like people always come up with a good answer there so it's a good answer Emily I'm so happy for you girl I just am so happy you had this big day and that I, like I know the work you put in and I'm just oh, I'm just delighted for you thanks Rob. thanks yeah. hope you enjoy the rest of your time at home and I'll see you thanks and good luck with everything and enjoy yeah enjoy the downtime keep track keep track keep track Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.